And the first question I always ask uh, candidates is why you're running. Well, that's an easy one. And people ask me that question all the time because I left the Senate five years ago to return to my job in Macomb County Law Enforcement, where I served for 23 years. And people ask me why in the world I'd want to return to politics, because it is a rough and tumble game, particularly in the debates that we've seen where it's digressed to a series of name calling and really negative comments. And that's that's just not my style. But that being said, there's two reasons that I'm running. Number one, I love my country. And number two, I no longer recognize my country. It's really changed a lot in the last few years. And the people of the 10th Congressional District, I think they know exactly what I'm saying. Well, can you elaborate a little bit? I mean, what changes in particular uh, have uh, disturbed you? Well, I, I mean, ours is a very conservative district, and I think I've, we've seen a, a deterioration of, of the values that this nation was uh, built on. I think uh, even in the presidential races uh, where we saw... Uh, such negativism. It's just become so uncivil, so nasty. And then um, with regard to our military, the military budgets have been cut 21% in the last two years, and that makes America a less safe place. And tragically, we've seen with the recent events in Orlando and and now with what's happened in France yet again, um, the world is a less safe place. And And when I go to Congress, I will work to see that America is back to having a military second to none. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I also want to find out, uh, as you run against uh, other candidates, what separates you from the other four Republicans uh, that you feel makes you the most qualified candidate? Well, and first of all, I never view it as I'm running against something or someone. I'm running for something. I'm running to... Uh, for the uh, uh, congressional seat, the 10th Congressional District, to replace Candace Miller. So I'm not running against anyone. Um, What qualifies me most? My diverse experience. I'd already indicated I had 23 years law enforcement experience. So I understand the interoperability of working with uh, different departments, uh, uh, different law enforcement agencies. And this time when people are so concerned about national security, homeland security, terrorism, illegal immigration. These are obviously committee assignments that I would be uh, a, a natural fit for. Um, and I think uh, uh, that that uh, um, is, is so terribly important when you walk into a situation and the speaker can look and say, look at this guy's skill set. He's well qualified to be on these uh, important committees. The other thing, too, and I talked about the civility in politics, I'm the one guy running. I'm not a lifetime politician. I did serve time in the House and the Senate, but 23 years in law enforcement. But I'm the one guy running who actually served in the minority. I know what it was to be mistreated by the majority party. I've seen good chairmen, and I've seen bad chairmen. I've seen uh, abuses in politics, and I've seen people mistreated. And really, uh, the golden rule is what applies here. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And uh, if you uh, let that rule apply, and it's not applying in today's uh, uh, world of politics, particularly in Washington, where people are just so, uh, they they just treat uh, each other so terribly, and there's no respect for one another. And I think we need to bring a little bit of respect back into the process. So if you're elected to Congress, uh, and if uh, the uh, Republican Party remains in the majority in Congress uh, after this election, uh, will you be able to work with Democrats? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, there's good and bad aisles on both sides of the law. I was around for 13 years in the House and Senate, and I've seen good ideas come from both sides. Also, I had over 90 pieces of legislation signed into law by two different governors, uh, a very conservative John Angler, conservative Republican, and a very liberal Jennifer Granholm signed many of my bills into law. And uh, But, you know, I was respectful of the process. Listen, you can be a fighter for your district, but it doesn't mean that you don't have to be a statesman. You, you don't have to digress to this new style of name-calling and bomb-throwing. We had a concept in the legislature in those days. The old-timers taught me it was called mutual assured self-destruction. You simply didn't walk on the floor of the House or the Senate firing off your missiles because the other side had missiles of their own. And, and that's what happens nowadays. These uh, new legislators, they're inexperienced, they're, they don't know the institutional, they don't have the institutional knowledge of the Senate, and they walk on the floor pushing the buttons and constantly firing off miss missiles at one another. There's, and, and some of that is uh, this era of term limits, particularly in the state of Michigan, where they just don't have the institutional knowledge, uh, and, and that's the downside. Uh, and, and I just think uh, bringing collegiality to the process is so important. That's how you move the ball down the field. When I was a chairman, I moved bills for both sides. I, I didn't only move Republican bills, uh, but I moved many, many Democrat bills. I remember uh, when uh, now U.S. Senator Gary Peters did a floor speech of, of partisanship, and then I got up and read all the Democrat bills we had moved from my committee. <laughs> and he did that that kind of, oh, never mind speech. And it just showed, and, and, and he's still a friend. We don't necessarily agree politically, but we're both respectful of the process. And listen, you can be, you can disagree with somebody politically, but it doesn't mean that you don't respect how they're fighting for their own district. And that's a problem nowadays. People don't recognize that. If you were elected to Congress, uh, what would be the first thing you want to do? You mentioned uh, uh, restoring the military, for example. Well, obviously, the, the top issues to me, like so many other people, are the economy, national defense, homeland security, um, and social security, immigration. These are all important, important issues. But then terrorism. People are very fearful of terrorism, and I have a unique skill set that I'll no doubt be assigned to committees that will be addressing many of these. I was the chairman also of in, uh, uh, economic development regulatory reform. Um, uh, the skill set I bring there, the, the mindset is less taxes. I never voted for a tax increase in my time in the House and the Senate. I'm the only one running that can say that. Less regulation. Get government out of the way so businesses can grow and thrive. Stop putting so many mandates on them that handcuff them and, and have uh, created an inability for them to expand. Uh, also, the first bill that I will introduce uh, when elected is we have a very serious problem with regard to who's drawing Social Security. Social Security. You know, if you, I've, I've had a chance to research the Social Security law, uh, and uh, there's, there's law that's called the Illegal uh, Immigration Benefit. Now, that's an oxymoron. The fact that you have a law called illegal immigration benefit is absurd. And what it says is that illegal uh, immigrants can call, qualify for Social Security after only 14 days. Now, that's not fair to our senior citizens who have worked for many years 
and are being told that they're going to have to wait longer for Social Security and Medicare or maybe have a diminished benefit. Um, that's just not fair to them. It's not fair to veterans who are not getting adequate treatment at the VA, that people are coming in from foreign countries, they're qualifying for Social Security, they're being given food, food stipends, housing stipends. Uh, it's, it's simply not fair. The first bill that I will introduce when elected to Congress is very simple. Number one, if you haven't paid into Social Security, you don't draw out. Real simple concept, and I'm confident that if uh, uh, Donald Trump is elected, that he likely will sign that bill. If Hillary is elected, no doubt she won't sign it. Now, when you talk about uh, national security, and you mentioned your law enforcement experience, what do we need to do uh, in response to terrorism, and what can and and can we do it without? giving up basic freedoms that uh, we expect to have in this country that are protected by the Bill of Rights. Well, I'm, I'm an old basketball coach, and I do believe that uh, in this case a strong offense is a good defense. And I said that the Obama administration has cut military spending 21% in the last two years. That's made America um, uh, uh, less safe on the world scene. And so one thing I want to make sure is that we have a military that is uh, well-funded, the strongest, because a strong offense is a strong defense. It sends a clear message. And when you draw a line in the sand warning our enemies not to cross this line, and then you, they repeatedly cross it and you repeatedly move the line, that sends the wrong message. It sends an inconsistent message to our enemies, like Russia and China and North Korea, uh, the Middle Eastern countries that oppose us, and it sends a, mis- uh, a mixed message to our allies like um, Israel and Jordan and so on. Um, so I want to make sure that we have a strong military. Also, you know, we need to prioritize spending, and you'll say, well, you're going to spend more money on Homeland Security? You bet I am. I think that we need to add uh, 20,000 Homeland Security agents. Why do we do that? Why do we need to do that? Because people talk about the illegal immigrants coming in from uh, Mexico, and I do support building a wall, by the way. I think Trump's got it right there. Uh, But we have more illegals coming in from Canada than we do Mexico, and we need to strengthen our borders there. How we do that is with more uh, border uh, guards uh, with regard to homeland security. Well, now, if you're going to spend money to build a wall and also to increase our military, don't you have to cut somewhere else? I mean, that, that, that requires uh, uh, an expansion of government, something that uh, that you and your colleagues uh, who are running have said you don't want to do is expand government. No, my friend, you misquote me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, help, uh, clarify it for me, please. Conservative senator, year after year, I was all always for smaller, less intrusive government. But it's about prioritizing what government's role is here. Okay. And and from a law enforcement experience, it was to protect and serve. So although I want to expand with regard to a stronger national defense and homeland security. You have to look and find out where the cutting uh, cutting can come from. And when I mentioned to you uh, fraud and Social Security, when the illegal immigrants are drawing benefits, be they uh, disability benefit, uh, supplemental income benefit, a benefit for attention deficit disorder for their children, a benefit for bipolar for their children, uh, you know, you're drawing all these stipends. 
And then, then there's just rampant fraud that goes on. When I was uh, in the uh, state Senate, we worked to reform welfare. Michigan was only one of two states uh, in the country that had lifetime welfare benefits, and we worked to reform that and cut that benefit down to four years. And what we were finding, people would move from state to state, exhaust their benefits. And now what we're seeing is many of them simply shift uh, that dependency on welfare over to Social Security. And frankly, we're seeing a lot of fraud that goes on. I'll be working with magistrates in Social Security, and and, and I'm going to protect their identity. I want them to be able to step forward. I don't want them uh, uh, getting fired because they step forward and tell the truth about the rampant fraud that goes on in Social Security. And therefore, the people that are most deserving of Social Security and Medicare uh, are, are, are getting shortchanged. It's not fair to them, whether it's fraud from our own citizens or whether it's uh, from illegals drawing Social Security. So obviously you prioritize spending. Now, is that going to balance the budget completely? No, but it's a darn good start. And when you've got you know 435 legislators, if everybody will step up and come up with an idea, now you're talking about some real reforms. $19.5 trillion deficit. We've got to stop the expansion of government. We've got to stop this crazy spending. You spent 23 years in law enforcement, as you've mentioned, so you know uh, well uh, the, uh, the the challenge that uh, police officers have. Uh, and uh, there's a conversation going on uh, right now in this country about uh, violence, be it uh, uh, either against police officers uh, in some cases, maybe by police officers, or just violence in general, people just, you know, <laughs> being violent against each other. Um, I know that uh, you support uh, the Second Amendment, um, and uh, I want to get your thoughts uh, from your perspective in law enforcement. If you're elected to Congress, what can be done uh, to reduce incidences of violence uh, that still uh, that that still protect constitutional rights. As a conservative, I know that I might offend some people, but really, we've made several mistakes uh, along the way, um, and 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 going back for many many years. It, it's uh, it's just a kind of a slow death for our morals and values. You know, first of all, and my father-in-law likes to say to me all the time, "Well, the problem started when we took the Bible out of the classroom." I see that you took prayer out of the schools. That was the start, and I happen to agree with that. Many of your listeners might not, but I'm going to say it. I mean, with Sanborn, you're gonna, you're going to you're going to hear my beliefs and 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 the beliefs of many of the people of my district. And after that, we took many of the fathers out of the home. Uh, in law enforcement, we would see perhaps up to an 85 percent broken home uh, where kids would ultimately get into trouble. Now, that doesn't mean if you come from a broken home, you're going to automatically get into trouble. But parenting is a two-parent job. Um, with the rampant um, uh, increase of, of pornography on the Internet, you're seeing uh, more and more sex crimes. You're seeing more and more, uh, you know, you have easy access to violence and pornography on the Internet. You've got 24-hour news services, no disrespect intended, 24-hour news uh, services where people are, you know, it's garbage in, garbage out. They're watching violence on TV all day. I'm not promoting censorship, but you're asking what's the root cause. And we need to uh, uh, look at, uh, you know, it starts in the home. Uh, frankly, y- you show me, uh, and another controversial statement, I know I'm going to hear about this one. Go ahead. Uh, you show me, you show me uh, bad kids, I'll show you bad parenting in many cases, in many cases. 
I realize there's some cases where that's not true, but in many cases, you just see parents that are absentee parents, and the kids are growing up in homes where they're not getting the proper guidance, be it spiritual, family values, and and consequently, you throw in the Internet, and they're left home alone all day long, uh, looking at violence on the Internet, looking at pornography on the the Internet. You start adding all these uh, variables in, we have a less respectful society, a society of cocooning as well, where people are just walled into their home, they email. It's not like the old days, and I'm the, <laughs> I'll relate it to this campaign. I'm the only one out there with my wife of 34 years, Lori. Uh, we're out there for 16 months now going door to door, and people in the six counties of the 10th Congressional District are amazed when I walk up, and I often say to them, hey, am I your first senator today? They'll say, you're our only anybody, you're the only the third person to ever come out to our house. You know, it's that idea of cocooning where people don't get out and meet the voters. And, and you know, when you get out there and meet people, that's the old-fashioned way. And, and nowadays you're not seeing that. People are, they communicate through email. They, communi- they don't, you know, they don't go over to their neighbors and but talk what, to them as much. What is the proper role of government, though, or a congressman? Is it the job of government to legislate morality and make people do certain things or encourage them to do certain things if it maybe violates their religious views? That's a great question. And, Maybe I didn't and, put it eloquently enough or, no, no, or you, intelligently you really enough. It's not the job of the legislature to uh, legislate morality. You're absolutely right. But when you talk about our Constitution, our founding fathers knew what it was that they were writing, and, and it's not a living, breathing document. They knew uh, when they set up this constitutional republic what it was that they meant. And we've got these misinterpretations where the Supreme Court... Uh, and, and, and legislative bodies will step up, and, and um, the courts will interpret that, well, our founding fathers met this, uh, be it uh, things like uh, uh, the gay marriage issue, for example. Uh, the Supreme Court didn't establish marriage. Why would they establish gay marriage? So they're, they're changing the intent of the Constitution, and I think we have to be very cautious of that. And with regard to our civil liberties, I'm a firm believer that a smaller, less intrusive government that does not trample on our constitutional rights is imperative. I think that's uh, uh, just that's always something I'm going to be uh, uh, very sensitive to. But when you talk about uh, people of nefarious intent who would come into this country, many of which are uh, they're admitting that they're going to infiltrate certain. Uh, um, populations like Syrians, for example, that are on a terrorist watch list, a country on a terrorist watch list. And if 1% of that, those folks coming over to this country are, are coming here with nefarious intent, they're, they're coming here to kill Americans, then it is the greater good for us to uh, properly vet them and, if necessary, to uh, if there's probable cause or even a lower standard, to go in and, and monitor what it is they're saying on the Internet. If, if they're talking about killing Americans on the Internet, we need to go after them. And, and, and we need to go after them in, their, uh, in terrorist countries, countries that harbor uh, terrorists, countries like Iraq, for example, that harbor uh, terrorists, other countries that would do the same, um, uh, Syria. And, and we need to destroy them uh, in those home countries. And is that going to trample on their civil liberties? They're not Americans. Our Constitution 
in this case applies to American citizens. Well, let's talk about be very careful to protect the civil liberties of American citizens. But people that want to kill Americans, um, we're going to go after them. Well, let's talk about American citizens, for example. It has uh, been suggested, uh, I believe, uh, by uh, uh, former House Speaker Newt Gingrich that what we ought to do is uh, vet every single Muslim who's already in this country if even if they're American citizens, and if we suspect that they might be terrorists, deport them, uh, which seems like it would violate uh, at least a few <laughs> civil uh, civil rights. Would you support that? I think Newt Gingrich, and I've personally met him before, had conversations with him. I think he's a brilliant man, and I would certainly uh, um, entertain what it is he's talking about. But listen, you don't make a snap judgment without even... Uh, reading legislation without even uh, holding hearings on the subject until you know exactly what it is they're saying. But I, I, I know that Newt Gingrich loves America. I know that Newt Gingrich is heartbroken over what But we're so seeing. do many Muslims. Uh, so do many Muslims. But when you have probable cause that there are people here uh, that are, are, are here to, um, and I don't think we're going to disagree. There is a percentage of people that are here to kill Americans and destroy uh, America. And what what you saw in in uh, France, the truck driving into the crowds on their Independence Day. If we have to, uh, um, you know, if we got to monitor the, them more closely, I, and, and and that's certainly what Newt Gingrich is talking about. I'm going to be supportive. Well, uh, last question. Uh, you mentioned uh, that uh, uh, you, you favor uh, Mr. Trump's proposal to build a wall, uh, one of the things that he's proposed if he's elected president. Uh, some There are some analysts out there who think that uh, if he loses in November, and of course we won't know until November who wins or loses, um, but if he were to lose, that it might affect Republicans down ballot. Has that affected the way you campaign at all? Or you can, uh, uh, it, it, it doesn't sound like it has <laughs> that's a good question and uh i'm never going to be overconfident but but truth sure. be known the dems uh uh the, the the gentleman that's in there is uh i don't even believe he's currently living i think uh living in the district and i think that they were hard pressed to find a candidate so i'm not uh i'm going to be out there approaching the general uh just like the uh the primary uh, I've already told you, my wife, Lori, and I have been out there knocking doors, and no. now we're knocking in the 90-degree heat. Uh, we're knocking doors, meeting tens of thousands of people. And whatever town you're in, whether it's Shelby Township or whether it's Port Huron, the people of that town expect you to come out to their house, look them in the eye, tell them what you stand for, and to ask for their vote. They don't want to see slick-colored glossies or or uh, millions of dollars spent on television saying that uh, you're a businessman, not a politician, um, when, you know, uh, uh, that, that doesn't, you know, you're not going to buy the election. People expect you on their doorsteps talking to them. And um, when, when I uh, am in general election, I'm going to approach it that same way. We're going to be on people's porches. I haven't taken one dime for special interest. I, as a as seated senator from Macomb County for 13 years, when I was in there, I could have easily gone to many politicians and uh, uh, lined up endorsements. I haven't asked for the endorsement of one currently elected official because those come at a price. 
they all have expectations that you're going to deliver that port project for them or you're going to intercede on some area uh, that's perhaps not even your business. So that's why we refrain from asking for endorsements. The only endorsement that we're asking for is on the porches of the people of the 10th Congressional District, whether it's in Bad Axe or Sandusky or, or Macomb Township. We're out there, and we're getting those endorsements every day, and, and they're rewarding us by putting out thousands of little lawn signs. And sometimes they say, signs don't vote. Signs in fields without permission don't vote. When you put a sign on somebody's front lawn, that's an endorsement from that person, and that's all Lori and I want. We want the endorsement of, of the people of the 10th District. We don't want the endorsement of the insiders, all the uh, elected officials, we, we haven't, haven't asked one for their endorsement.